0: The bottom line as to how do you know who is right is always wait and see.
1: This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us every week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have John Collins, Holmes Professor of Old Testament Criticism and Interpretation, and Jennifer Hurt. Gilbert L. Stark Professor of Christian Ethics. They're discussing Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, and verses 22 through 28. It's appointed for track 1 of the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, proper 19, in year C. The text is read for you by student Katie Stewart.
2: Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, and 22 through 28. At that time it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, A hot wind comes from me out of the bare heights in the desert toward the daughter of my people, not to winnow or cleanse, a wind too strong for that. Now it is I who speak in judgment against them. For my people are foolish, they do not know me, they are stupid children, they have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil, but do not know how to do good. I looked on the earth, and it was complete chaos, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and there was no one at all, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, And the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, The whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not make a full end. Because of this the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above grow black. For I have spoken, I have purposed, I have not relented, nor will I turn back.
3: So, here we are in Jeremiah, but John, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in this chapter?
0: Well, you know, what the vision evokes is the undoing of creation. It's as if you know, the whole world was going to go dark and you go back to the state that the world was in before creation in the book of Genesis. What was actually going on at the time is that the Babylonians were invading. And when the Babylonians would get through with Judah, it would indeed be waste and void. So you know, it's a very powerful poetic image, but it's actually focused on a historical development. Now, from Jeremiah's point of view, this was all divine punishment. This was a consequence of sinful behavior in Judah. We look at this from a modern perspective. That's a problematic way of looking at it. It would be as if we were to say that what happened on 9-11 in New York was punishment for sin of some sort. And yeah, there are other parts of the Bible that challenge that, like the Book of Job, certainly Jesus challenges that in the New Testament. Um, but this was very standard for the for the prophets and for a lot of the historical books in the Bible too.
3: So, I mean, it makes sense to me that we can identify with this effort to discern in what's happening some meaning, right? Some yeah, that's
0: really, I think, what drives it is that people feel better if they have some explanation for what happens. Uh, the hardest thing to deal with is when something is thought of as being random, you know, something that happens for no reason at all. Now, there were political reasons, no doubt. For this and there might have been ways of avoiding the catastrophe. But it wasn't a moral issue the way the prophets viewed it.
3: You mean in the sense that Jeremiah thinks this is a punishment for lack of fidelity to God.
0: That's right. He was in a way being Jerry Fall well before his time in pronouncing catastrophe as divine punishment. If we look at it nowadays, though, what does a passage like this bring to mind?
3: well we certainly are still in the business of trying to discern in the in the events of the of the days how how to respond right how to respond faithfully but ultimately i hear jeremiah calling for a faithful response to these very confusing political events and He's upset because he thinks that other prophets have recommended complacency, just sit back and everything will be fine. And he thinks that that's an excuse for failure of responsibility. So it's a summons to fidelity, which is a summons to responsibility. For me, this image of the undoing of creation is such a powerful one for us right now. When we see the the natural consequences of the ways in which we've we've abused the earth. So this is a prophetic evocation of the undoing of creation through lack of fidelity. I think we can still very much identify with that, that in Genesis, we see humankind being entrusted with the tending of the garden. And If we take that responsibility and we respond as the false prophets did at the time of Jeremiah and we recommend complacency, that everything will just be fine and we can do whatever we want, well, the uh, results are, are catastrophic, indeed the undoing of creation. And so this is a passage that to me powerfully summons us back to that fidelity that Jeremiah is calling for, right? But in this case, a fidelity to the task of tending creation that was entrusted to humankind.
0: In fairness to Jeremiah, before I made the analogy with Jerry Falwell, I should have made the point that Jeremiah was saying this before the catastrophe actually struck, not after it. So saying it before the disaster struck still means there is time to do something about it. And he actually was recommending a particular course of events, which was to surrender to the Babylonians, which was, of course, a very distasteful, you might say unpatriotic kind of thing to suggest, but it would have preserved a lot of lives if they had done it. And as you noted, you know, the false prophets are all saying, oh, this will all pass, this will be fine. And on the latter point, it seems to me that you have an analogy with the false prophets nowadays on the question of the environment. Now, when he talks here about the fruitland being a desert and its cities laid waste and the birds of the air had fled and so forth, it definitely brings to mind nowadays the kind of ecological crisis that we are facing And in this case, somewhat ironically, I think, the argument for human responsibility is much more direct, that in this case, we are indeed dealing with a crisis that we have brought upon ourselves. So in the case of the Babylonian crisis, the Babylonians were going to do what they were going to do anyway. But in this case, it's very much a chain of act and consequence. And I don't see any problem at all with seeing it as, if you like, divine punishment. That gets us into the whole question of retribution. And there's a famous article back in the 1950s arguing that retribution in the Hebrew Bible is really just the chain of act and consequence. One thing leads to another. If you dig a pit, you may fall into it. And I think that would certainly hold for the ecological crisis, that it's consequences that follow from human actions. Now, you can construe that as divine punishment, if you wish, but divine punishment operates through consequences following on actions.
3: Yeah, I mean it's a fascinating way to think about what's going on in the Hebrew Bible and in this with this talk of divine judgment. I guess I I see, though the prophets are not just engaged in trying to figure out what the natural consequences of actions are going to Mm -hmm. be. They're trying to figure out how the people of God are are called to act in response Mm -hmm. to the chain of cause and effect, as it were. Right. So it's this it's this attempt to discern what would fidelity look like in this set of consequences? Uh, sorry, in this set of circumstances. Yeah.
0: I mean, they're definitely not just figuring things out. This is hortatory material. You know, there is always an implied course of action. And that that's what, uh, what really drives the prophecy, I think.
3: So to me, that's, that's the discernment the of divine judgment. The discernment of this is God's point of view on how we are acting what we are doing. And from that, we discern how we should go forward.
0: And of course, claiming that something is God's point of view is a somewhat dangerous venture. You don't want people doing it lightly. At the same time, when you have a course of action that threatens to destroy creation as we know it, then I don't think it's very problematic to say that this is contrary to the will of God.
3: Well, anyone who takes up the mantle of the prophet has to encounter others who have taken up the mantle of prophets. So there's there's still the process of discerning amongst the various prophecies.
0: There is, and there is always a certain risk involved in it. When Jeremiah has his confrontation with the false prophets, the bottom line as to how do you know who is right is always wait and see and if we wait and see it just might be too late
3: that's why i would take it that part of the responsibility of tending creation is the responsibility to discern amongst the possible prophecies that are out there yeah
0: and the task of the prophet is to have the courage to take a stand on it
1: thanks for listening And thank you, Professors Collins and Hurt, for your insight on Jeremiah. Remember to rate and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, and visit our website, yalebiblestudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer, Helena Martin. Katie Stewart did the transcript, and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.